Welcome back to Your 1230, the only podcast where our guests tell their story with the help of 12 questions in only 30 minutes. Today, we are absolutely excited to be joined by Ben Bowden. Ben has done freelance work since the age of 15 when he was commissioned to produce a booklet for a local project. His love for design grew from there, and he went to be awarded a graphic design BA honors from the University of Huddersfield. His design work has been exhibited at Inspire Huddersfield and at the DNAD New Blood Festival in London's Old Truman Brewery. From there, he set up B&B Graphic Design in April 2020, and it was rebranded to Sublevo Creative in September 2022. At Sublevo Creative, he goes from strength to strength as he continues to pursue his personal goal of inspiring young people to become business owners. He's been invited back to the University of Huddersfield several times as a guest speaker to talk about his journeys in business. He's done several talks at SpringPod's virtual work experience programs, and at one of his most recent, he had over 25,000 enrolled 16 to 18-year-olds. Welcome, Ben. We are really excited to speak with you today. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Me too. Me too. Despite me stumbling through that biography, I, I promise uh, I, I am equally excited. But I want to kind of start at the beginning there, uh, getting involved in freelance work as a 15-year-old. How, how did that start? Um, so for me, it was obviously I already had an interest in it and it was something which I was sort of studying at school in the first place. Um, I think everyone has a cool teacher at school who they, you know, a bit more laid back. They like them a bit more. And our cool teacher did an after-school graphics class. Um, so I sort of I started going along to that and I got sort of carried away with uh, you got to print things off on big paper for the first time and you sort of got to experiment and learn the programs a little bit Um so my parents volunteered at this local heritage project um, which was restoring an old house and they obviously knew that I'd got this interest in it and I'd been going along to these sort of uh, after school lessons sort of thing um and from there they just sort of they asked me to volunteer at first and just do some design work for them um but within a year of doing it um by the time I was as I say I think it was 15 um I started doing paid commissioned work for them so I started to do sort of my first project was a booklet for them um I only got to do the front cover of the booklet I didn't get to do the whole booklet mm. um but I, that that was my first job and I started from there really very nice. So I, I guess just a couple couple questions to dig in there. You mentioned the cool teacher. Did you like graphic design as well, or was it that you had the opportunity to do it and then found you were good at it, or what came first, the talent or the uh, interest? Um. Well, I wasn't really. I've always been interested in sort of art, and I've always been quite good at like drawing and things like that. But I never really thought of it as a career path. Um. But it was only once I found out that this teacher. And was sort of freelancing in his own spare time. That's when I started to take more of an interest in it and sort of saw it as sort of a viable career path that I could go after. Um, so the the talent was there, um, but I never really knew that I could do anything with it until I found out that he was doing something with it. Got it. Okay. And I didn't ask really well my first question, the freelance part, but most teenagers think they got to get you know the job at the local store or or something along those lines you went the other path uh did you ever supplement what you're doing freelance work or was was kind of freelance doing your own thing always for you 
Um, I've well, I've never really had another job to be honest. I, I, at one point, I was when I left university, I worked at um a company called Pichero, and we do like sports teams, websites, and apps. I worked there for a month when I left university because I sort of it was the thing that everyone did. Um, you left education and then you went and got a job, but after sort of a month or so, um, I sort of felt that I was getting opportunities in freelancing, and I sort of thought, well this is more exciting doing my own thing than working for someone else. Um, so yeah, I've, I've always just worked for myself, really. I've not really worked for anyone else. Well, a month is getting there pretty quickly. So that that's, uh, that's great <laughs> that you uh, were able to get on that path so, uh, so fast and realize that's the right way for you. Uh, I mentioned you um, rebranded to Sublevo Creative uh, earlier this year. What, uh, what was the story behind that? Um, so there was a couple of reasons really. Um, one of the main reasons was because I've had the BB graphic design since I was since I was fifteen. It's what I actually set up with, um, and obviously earlier this year when I actually changed it over, I'm I'm twenty four now. So I was sort of I was looking at it and I was thinking we're going to these companies and we started working with sort of bigger and better companies, um, and I felt if we were doing other people's branding and we were saying oh we can make this massive change, we really had to have the best branding um and obviously coming up with bb graphic design when it's just my initials <laughs> isn't the most inventive name um so i felt like we had to do something that had meaning so we came up with we looked at existing client reviews and sublevo is um, a latin word so it means uplift support and encourage and that was really the on-running themes throughout the reviews that we had so that was really the catalyst for the change was starting to work with bigger and better people Okay, I, I like the uh, the roots of Sublevo there. That's a that's a nice fit. And uh, as you said, if it was going to be the work that you're starting to do for your clients, you've got to uh, demonstrate that it was something that you've done for at least yourself or, or your company. Um, so, talking about your clients, who do you work with? Who do you find is, is a good fit for what you uh, you are doing? So, with the rebrand, we actually niched down a bit. Um, so that was on the things involved with the rebrand. Um, and it's to work with professional service providers, particularly those in the financial industry, um, because they often have sort of an on-running uh, contract with the clients. They only tend to review it sometimes maybe six months or every 12 months. And in between this, sometimes they can fall into the trap of not really communicating with people throughout that time. So we really wanted to make it so that after we do someone's branding, we can also make it so that they have a lot of visual touch points so that the clients can hear from them more regularly and then they're getting they're perceiving more value out of that service than just having maybe a, a bi-yearly review or a yearly review um so that was really the main thing around choosing that industry and um, we used to work a lot with the sports industry but sort of moved away a little bit from that now and um, mm-hmm. Okay. And how has, how has niching down helped you besides focusing on, on a certain segment? Is it something that you'd recommend uh, most creative businesses look at most businesses in general, or how has it been helpful? Um, I think it's good because, the, well, I think it's important not to niche down too early. I think everyone feels the pressure to niche down. Um, and I think that mine sort of came more naturally from, I was working with sort of everyone and I just, naturally developed more clients in that area and um, so i saw that i could make the biggest change in that industry and um, i think it's good because 
people within that industry, they all talk to each other. So it's easier to build up a reputation within an, a specific industry rather than just saying, you know, we work with anyone. Um, I think it helps you build up sort of that credibility a lot faster. Um, and it helps you become sort of a real expert in that field. Um, and sort of a rather than being someone who has to go out and get work, you become more of a go-to person for people within that industry. Very nice. And before we hit record, we talked a little bit about the uh, your speaking engagements. And to be direct, you were pretty humble on the uh, size of audiences that you have spoken to regarding uh, your path, your journey. And uh, so I'll put you on the spot here. You've, you've talked to very large audiences. How have you prepared? What has that been like? And what is the feedback that you're getting from uh, from those from those people in the audience? Um. So in terms of preparation, I mean, I started off doing obviously the university talks because that was sort of the natural um, progression of my business. Um, and after I did my first talk for the universities, I got recommended to Springpod. And I didn't really know anything about them. So it was my second ever talk that I'd done in my life. Um, and I'm naturally quite introverted. I'm not <laughs> used to coming up and speaking to people. Um, and I found out after I did the talk, that there were 17,000 at my first one that I did, which if I'd have known that beforehand, it, it would have gone to bits. But I think from then on in, I sort of, I prepared for it in terms of, I, I know exactly what I'm going to say. I've got a very good memory in terms of, I read through my scripts maybe once or twice, and then I can remember exactly what I'm going to say. Um, and then the feedback, I think I get a lot of good feedback, to be honest. I've got a few reviews from sort of my, my speaking gigs and things like that. And the whole real sort of driver and motivator for me is just that, as I mentioned before, I didn't really understand that there was a career in graphic design and that you could ne never mind do it on your own. Um, and I think it's just sort of raising the awareness of that and raising the thing that it is possible to, you know, not follow the norm and not go into work for someone else if it's not really what makes you happy and it's not really what you enjoy doing that that's a great message to deliver to that audience that there is obviously more than one path and tell them your story of how you did it what do you think is most important for somebody you know again that 15 year old freelancer or that audience at university looking to either blaze their own trail or considering that maybe the you know, get a job after school is not the not the only thing I want to do. What's something they should start doing while they're in school or how they can test if it's right for them? So one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was actually by um, my college lecturer. And he used to say to me that the, mo the best graphic designers are the most informed graphic designers. So for me, it's all about trying to make the decision-making process in your mind a lot quicker. So if you're, for example, everyone scrolls through social media all the time, if you create sort of a dedicated feed where you've just got a load of creative businesses on there, you're seeing new artwork and things every day, it makes it that you're taking in all these influences constantly rather than just sort of wasting your time on social media. Um, and then if you sort of reading about things and you sort of taking in current trends and things like that, it means that when you actually come to having to make a decision about design, you're going to be a lot quicker and you're going to be a lot sharper on the decision-making process and you're going to understand why you're making decisions, which I think people often get stuck in this sort of rut of creative block and it's maybe because they're not um, 
they're, they're not surrounding themselves with enough sort of information and enough ideas to be able to make those decisions quick enough. That that's interesting. Talking about getting out of a uh, a block or a rut with, uh, with specifically as its creativity or design. And you mentioned the information, you mentioned the ideas. How have if you have in the past hit hit kind of a wall? What would have been kind of specific solutions for you to either a identify, hey, I need to do something different. I, I'm I'm at a point here where something's got to change. Or um, is it looking at other people's work and then getting inspiration there? Yeah, so there's two main things I do. It's either I go away and I sort of I look at what other people have done with these sorts of projects and I just sort of I, I sit and scroll through them for ages. Um obviously it's not I'm not doing loads of work and it feels very unproductive, but it actually is really productive because you're taking in all these influences. Um but the other thing I do is if if I'm really struggling to come up with ideas, sometimes you're not always going to be creative. So I sometimes go away and I'll do like an admin task or I'll do something else that's completely over end of the spectrum that doesn't really require any creativity just because I think you are going to have days where you struggle to like produce creatively um, because it's quite a, you know, it is is quite a refined skill. Um, So I think you're not always going to be on top form and you've just really got to accept that and try utilize that day and just try something else. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good answer. So thank you. Um, you mentioned having a influential teacher in the past, as well as having uh, others that you've kind of worked with and, and drawn inspiration from. Do you currently have a partner or where, what does your, what is your, your what does your company look like now when you need a soundboard or, or somebody to, to uh, help with ideas or to kind of keep you in check in a way? Um, so for me, I, I'm, I do a lot of networking and for me, the key thing that I look for in a networking group is that I'm the smallest business in the networking group, which lots of people find it very weird. And they're sort of like, well, why, why do you want to do that? And I sometimes don't look at networking groups as a way of achieving more business. I look at them as a pathway into people who wouldn't speak to me unless I was in the networking group. So I'm in one at the moment and there is some really sort of high level creatives in there there's a best-selling author in there and and whenever i need anything i can just ring him up and ask him questions for free and for me that's more more invaluable than sort of anything because being a 24 year old creative business owner if i go to sort of this industry leader who has no recollection of me that they're not going to speak to me realistically but being able to speak to these people and sort of pick up advice and they've basically tried and tested what i'm trying to do Um, and i think that's really important for me to to understand their thinking and where they've gone wrong to try avoid those things i can't even tell you what a fantastic answer that is and how you know as 24 years old, how at least I feel that's well wise beyond your years. And I feel most people never even get there with that perspective of a networking group or the idea of generating new business that it's how can A to B, how can this person help me move on to the next person? I join these groups to get business. If I can't, I'm going to just keep going. Um, but you're, you talk about being 
in a way where in or in a group where if I wasn't in this group, I'd have no <laughs> no business talking to them. They would they wouldn't take my call. And, and you realize that. So you're not selling to them. You're you're you you know using that opportunity to help them out learn what you can from them and kind of build off that experience and see where it goes. So I think that's absolutely brilliant and a great way to look at things. And, you know, I wish I could tell my 24 year old self to kind of think in terms like that. How, how are you able to kind of get there so quickly? Um, I don't know. I think it's just, I'm very analytical in the way that my brain works. So I take in things very quickly. I like to observe other people. I've always been very observant of people. So I when I tend to go to these things, I'm very quiet initially and it's just me weighing up who I can use as those sounding boards and who I can ask questions to. Um, so I'm quite a good judge of character um, and I think I'm quite self-aware in terms of I know what my own strengths and weaknesses are. So, for example, one of the people who I use the most in that networking group is actually a sales coach and I know that I can design all day, but when it comes to bringing in people to design for, that's a completely different matter. Um, so I, I use him all the time and just sort of pick his brain because he, he can do something which I uh, I, I admire because I, I can't really do it that well myself. And I, that's, that's a, it's another great point. I, I kind of want to follow up on that specifically that, you know, starting with, and we'll start there that you've identified things that, you know, every small business, every entrepreneur is going to have skill sets and they're going to have weaknesses. And they're not going to be able to be, to be everywhere, do everything, or obviously be good at everything. So when you've identified things that you're not good at, you, you've referenced the sales coach, how else have you been able to kind of fill the things that you need help with, or is not your skill set with the idea that, you know, there's plenty, there's people who are looking to do this and they're trying to, you know, they're talking themselves out of it because, well, I'm good at this part, but I'm not good at this part. So outside of, you know, leveraging others who are good at that, building those collaborations, have you had success uh, with other other ways to um, kind of fill in areas that uh, either were not a skill set or not a, not able to because of time or uh, or energy? Yeah, I, th I think one of the hardest things to do when you set up a business is uh, give control of certain aspects of it to other people. Um, I think everyone knows when you have a business, you want to control everything and you want to be the person running everything. But I think once you start outsourcing things and you start putting people who are sort of experts in the field, you're not spending sort of hours and hours trying to learn a new skill and learn on the job. And the, the money that you're actually spending with someone who you outsource to then becomes a lot better than you wasting more time where you could be just bringing in more business. Um, so I think it's it's a hard skill to do at first, but I think once you start doing it, you see the benefit of it. Yeah, and kind of similar to your uh, networking group answer, I've had the opportunity to talk to some amazing people doing the show that I wouldn't have had the chance to to you know connect with. And what I hear a lot from them of how they run their business, how they got to where they are is very similar that they just simplify the things that they do in their business, that they, they do more of the things that they're good at and identify, you know, spend less time on areas that is the the return on their time is not great. The return on their money is not good. Or it's like, I'm just not good at this. Somebody is much better and I don't need to necessarily learn this new skill if I can manage it, if I can lead it. 
and and that's uh, it's really just wonderful to hear that you've you've not only acknowledged that but you're already leveraging that in in your in the way you have your um, network growth and in your business um kind of spinning off that i'm sure the creative services that you offer are for people like myself who are not very creative or do not know what to do when it comes to that. So how do you communicate with someone who doesn't know what they're doing uh, to really understand what you can provide and to show how valuable it can be? Um, so what, this is probably one of the biggest things that I learned in business. And it's partly what the rebrand was about. When I, when I first started in business, a lot of my website and everything was about, it was like, I've done this, I've done that. And, the reality is that no one cares what you do. They only care how you benefit them. So I changed absolutely everything on the website to talk about this is how we're adding value to you. So it was all about sort of um, helping people attract the right type of clients. It was about them having happy clients, about retaining those clients. And then obviously, if they're seeing a larger value from that, they can then eventually up the prices because people are perceiving a higher value service. And I think that's that's the key thing is if you, if you can simplify things down, if I go to someone and I say I'm a graphic designer, no, no one really cares. But if I go to someone and I say, you know, I, I'm going to be able to make you raise your prices and get more clients, all of a sudden they care because it directly affects them. So people only care about what affects them and what they gain from a situation. So if you can put that to them, then they're more likely to be interested. Well said, well said. Um Another thing that I hear a lot from not only creatives, but uh, people that are kind of getting that message out there of how their product or service can assist others is the show versus tell uh, distinction that you, know, you can tell people all day that I'll do this for you, or this is what the results are. How do you show them what you can provide? So for me, it's, it's, it's quite easy in a creative sense because I can actually visually show people. And so I can visually show sort of a brand identity or whatever. Um, but I think one of the key things is also obviously reviews. So every project I do, I get a review at the end of it. Um, and I always post them everywhere. They're all over social media. They're all over sort of the internet, et cetera. Because um, as you say, I, I can sort of, I know that I'm good at design without, you mentioned there before being humble, but it's true. You go into a job because you know that you're good at it um but it's all right me saying that but you'll never meet a graphic designer who doesn't talk a good game and the actual the actual answer is in the work and what other people say about it so until someone else says something it doesn't hold any value you can drop graphic designer from that every every you know you can be rare to run into somebody who's like no i'm not really good at what i do everybody thinks they're good at what they do yeah. until until they find out that they're not and they don't do that anymore uh, my last question this line of uh of our conversation I was just going to uh, wrap up with the, uh, I don't know, I've, I've lost my question, but I, I guess we'll just leave it here. Uh, working with with the, the niche of professional uh, services that, that you do, um, here's my question. You're helping them with social media, and that means a lot of different things to people. For those of us or anybody who's afraid to get started or afraid to take the next step, where's a good place for them to start with social media and what should they be looking to achieve? I think the issue with people posting on social media is everyone thinks that they're going to start perfectly and they crave perfection on it. Whereas I think it's much better to just do it um, and just be consistent with it. That's the key thing. 
a lot of people start and they're like, oh, I've got no results from it, but it takes a while to build up results. So I think you need to start it and you need to do it consistently and you need to make it part of your routine. So for example, with LinkedIn, I get, it's probably the second highest sort of um, business springer to my, to my business. And that is because on a weekend I plan what posts I'm going to do and all my posts are planned. So I know exactly what I'm doing. They're all in line with what events are going on. They're more topical. So I think you either take advantage of trends um, or you just you can just talk about what you're doing in your working week. People will understand your business better. It'll make you more referable if people understand your day-to-day life. That's a good answer. And I, I won't dig in too much about uh, what kind of results, what does consistency mean or things like that. I'll let, uh, I'll let our listeners uh, pick your brain on that. Uh, but I did want to change gears because there was something I wanted to ask you about. You know, I barely could get through the two paragraphs of the bio that I did choose to read, but the third paragraph talks about your your hobbies or passion, which include sports and specifically badminton. Uh, could you tell me a little bit about what that involved and what kind of uh, awards and recognition you have in that field as well? So I stopped <laughs> playing badminton in July, um, but I, I played badminton for quite a long time. Um, it started off, I just thought of, I was at a open day for a sports center. The local team coach was down and he got me playing in the team. And within sort of the first, I think it was the first eight months of me playing, I was part of the only team ever at a county level to be undefeated in over the course of an eight-month season. Um, I then went on to sort of play for my university, a captain for my university within my first year of uni. And then I played all over the country. I got to play the British Nationals twice. Um, I got absolutely battered by Hong Kong's number two. Um, but yeah I've, I've played all over country I've I've played sort of you name it I've played at most of the big sports halls in the in the country um but yeah it was brilliant time for me I really enjoyed it um but as I say I stopped playing in July this year because I, I had a few shoulder injuries um and I went to play football or soccer um instead <laughs> okay uh, that's <laughs> One, it's surprising that soccer slash football is less physically demanding on, on your on your 24-year-old body than badminton, but I get the shoulder injuries are no joke, so I believe you there. Uh, and for anybody who is doubting uh, Ben's humble demeanor, just, just the way he talks about competing in national and international tournaments, as, uh, this is something probably everybody does. You can you can see that, uh, that that's just the kind of way he takes it. Uh, but what really jumped off the page when it comes to the badminton was the way and I think it says that you take that sporting mindset into everything that you do. Um, so just wanted to ask you, A, what is your sporting mindset and how do you apply that to your business? Yeah, so I think sport teaches the importance of consistency and resilience. So if you think about when you're training to be sort of an elite level athlete, you've got to think about you're putting in hundreds of hours of training. And for badminton, for me, it was, I was maybe doing the same shot for like an hour consistently. And it's just the same shot and you're just trying to get it sort of tighter to the net, tighter to the net every single time. And I think in the business world, I think when you, particularly when you're first trying to grow your business, it's very important that 
you've got that consistency and you've got that resilience. So when things, you know, you, you when you grow in a business, it doesn't always go right. And just like when you're playing badminton, I mentioned there, I got beat really badly on a sort of big scale. Um, so I think it's important that you can go back to the drawing board and you can try the basics again and you can just practice what, what you're doing and just get better every single day at it. Because um, I think that with sport, it's not always, you know, there's injuries, there's losses, there's there's terrific highs and terrific lows in sport. I think that that's the exact same in business. And I think that the key thing is just you, you go back and you try again and you just keep doing the work behind the scenes to then be able to do all these things where, you know, you can look good on social media and all this. But that doesn't happen unless you do all the groundwork like, like you do in sport. Yeah, that's that's such a good answer with the preparation and resilience being the focus. Because I think as as you lay it out, that if it's something you like to do or it's a hobby or something that you know you want to get better in, you'll spend that hour hitting that same shot. Uh, but sometimes people will be in a line of work, a job, a business that they just do because they have to or don't have other options. So the idea of practicing something for an hour for the sake of practicing or preparing is, is ridiculous. It's not something that they're going to do. So if you find that you are in a business that you want to improve, you want to grow, and you're okay. You know, hitting that same shot for the hour, not only you know that you found something that is probably a better fit for you, um, but you are working toward becoming uh, better elite world-class or whatever is the next for you. Uh, so wrapping up here, as we're almost at a half hour somehow, uh, we talked about badminton. We talked a lot about what your day-to-day looks like professionally. What are you doing besides football to relax or to unwind? Um. So for me, it's it's all about sort of, my life is very sports revolving. So if not watching sport, I am playing sport. Um so that is probably one of the biggest parts of my life, to be honest. But I it's changed a lot recently because obviously at my age a lot of people go out and things like that and go drinking and everything. But I've sort of moved away from all that since I started up my business. So I I, I now don't drink and uh, I don't really go out and things. So for me, it's about just going to new places, trying sort of new food, new experiences, things like that. Um, just just like fun activities where I can sort of get involved with them and it still still keeps me competitive as well. It, it, I, I quite like things where it's a bit of a bit of a contest, a bit of a challenge. You're an incredibly mature 24 year old Ben. I will tell you that. What's uh, what is the next challenge you have, or what do you, what do you, uh, what contest do you have lined up next? Um, well, for me, my main thing is obviously in in sort of my own life. I uh, when I switched to playing football, I hadn't played football in over 10 years. So for me, it's I'm trying to get much fitter to break into starting 11 of my football team because at the moment. I've I've been playing, we've played about, I think, five or six games this season. I've started one of them. So for me, it's about trying to get that starting spot. I always see it as sort of a challenge of trying to get fitter, trying to get better, trying to get faster and bulk up a bit as well. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Uh, and if our listeners want to connect with you or learn more about Sublevo, where can they do that? Um, so the main thing is our website. So that is www.sublevocreative.co.uk um, and then I'm also on LinkedIn um, you just search Ben Bowden for that and I should come up um, we are on Instagram as Sublevo Creative and on Facebook as Sublevo Creative as well just with the, the same handle of 
Sublevo Creative, all one word. And yeah, very, no, that's very it. nice. So we'll post all those. Uh, ben, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for joining us. Last question for me. Is there anything today that I didn't ask you that I probably should have? I don't think so. I think they've been good questions. <laughs> we'll take it. All right. Well, thank you again, Ben, and look forward to next time.